Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome. This is Following On County Cricketer. We bring you a, a weekly look at all the action, all the stories, uh, all the intrigue, a bit of drama and humour uh, surrounding the county championship, Div 1, Div 2, uh, the 50 over stuff, uh, T20 Blast. We mentioned 100 now and again. Um, and uh, you're listening to Talk Sport 2 or via the Following On podcast feed. No George DeBell with us this week. Instead, it's myself, John Norman. Steve Harmison, two-time county championship winner and a man who's probably seen more county championship cricket over the last uh, five or six years than anybody else. It's uh, Nick Friend from The Cricketer. Uh, Plenty to discuss this week. Uh, Yorkshire, are they about to to get new owners? Um, A squad, 13-man squad named for the Island Series, which has got a couple of surprises in it. And we'll also be taking a look at all the action that took place in the four-day game over the last week or so. You're listening to Following On County Cricket. Okay, guys, uh, well, welcome. Good to see you both. Uh, Samit Patel's just announced he's leaving Trent Bridge after two decades. He has uh, said that he's not retiring. He would like to have seen out his contract, or rather, he would have liked to have seen out his career uh, at Nottinghamshire, but it's not to be. But, um, I mean, you know him well, Harmy. Of course, you would have played against him a number of times. Did you ever play alongside him, actually? Did your careers ever cross paths? I've been in squads. I'm not sure. I don't I don't think so. I'm not so sure. He's a great lad, Summit. When I had a benefit, I had a benefit cricket match at an old England team. He came up and played for me. Um, he did 12th man a hell of a lot during my days of, of England, where you the guy who was 12th or 13th in the squad would go off and play county cricket and, you would bring in county young players from counties, and Samet was always in the uh, England dressing room. I think he's been a great servant for Knots, and I think he's a fantastic uh, all-round cricketer. He, the one thing I always said about Samet, whenever he was on television, he performed. 
That was the beauty about him. Whenever knots were on telly in a 40-over game, a 50-over game, or a T20 game, the likelihood is Sam Patel would perform with bat or ball. Um, he had this in, this this sort of way of, um, I think from a left-arm seam point of view and the sort of middle-order batter, of being able to raise the, raise his performance for the for the occasion when the cameras were there. So, say he's been he's been around a hell of a long time, and and somebody's going to benefit at the end of his career. I'm sure he did want to stay at Knotts, but um, somebody might get a good year or, or two years out of him, in especially in the blast. It's quite unheard of, isn't it, for a player to be leaving Knotts to go to another one? It's usually the other way around, isn't it, Nick? Well, um, <laughs> he is nearly forty. He is one of his. I mean, he's done. I, I think he's played. I think he's only played twenty twenty cricket the last three years. But um, I interviewed Sam before the season because it was his twentieth season. The blast, I want to say. And uh, what I found while sort of researching that was, I mean, he he talked about like the great. I know like, people talk about how it's a great circuit to get onto because it's hard to get off it, but it's also a very fickle circuit, and you just have to keep performing. And I think Sam has played something like every recognised league apart from the IPL. He's done twenty-ish teams. Oh, where does he find himself over the winter? He's, I'm, I'm sure he's got more in him. In fact, when I spoke to him, fairly sure when I spoke to him, he said sort of 40 minimum. And in fact, mid-season, this isn't an updated, this isn't completely updated, but certainly mid-season, that the the word during the rounds that Samet might find himself at Derby. But so I hope, he, I hope this is not the end because he's a he's a bloody good cricketer. And actually to be to be a successful white ball bowler at Trent Bridge, you know, even to, to the end of this season, it's a serious effort because there aren't many tougher places to bowl white ball spin than than knots. And in fact as he was very keen to say to me, it's bowlers who win you blast titles at uh, knots, not the batters. I did play with him, John. I've just remember I, well, I was wondering and I've just checked there. He played in the Stanford game, the West Indies. Did he? So Sam had played in that and I played with him one days he played in the one days against South Africa and played in the one days against like in the West in the West Indies as well. So I did play a bit of cricket with Sam, but I found him. I found him a really, really nice guy. I found him somebody who was uh, always wanting to talk about cricket, and I think he's had a brilliant career, especially in white ball cricket. I think mm. that guy is. I think he's fulfilled everything he he wanted to fulfil as a cricketer. He played for England, did brilliantly at Notts, as, as Nick said. It's not a great place to pull both spin the size of that Notts ground, um, and I think he can be proud of his achievements of what he's uh, what he's done because he's. I think has he played the most T Twenty cricket in. He's the, not far he's, off. I think. He's got something like the record for most appearances. He certainly played the most games in the Blast. The other thing I was going to say about, say about Samit is that what he's not going to talk about surviving the circuit earlier. Samit Patel would tell would always tell you he's a, that he's a battery bowler, and actually to have extended his career for, for this long to still be as valuable as being to so many teams, but almost in the opposite role as you know everyone knows he can bat, but he's done a lot of his batting in the Blast and in T Twenty cricket. Six, seven, eight, because he is so valued for his guile as a left arm spinner, and I guess a lot of that would have come from Trent Bridge, knowing that there's often a short side, there's often that that weird corner that you've got to protect. But he, I think he grappled with it for a while. The fact that he, you know, he was a batter with a bloody good record, by the way, as well as a batter. I think he's, yeah, it's something like 26, 27 first class hundreds, averaging best part of 36, 37. And to have gone from that to realizing that actually your worth as your career goes on is probably as a left-arm spinner is, is really impressive. I mean, he's he's, he's made the most blast appearances. He's, he's taken the second most wickets and he's got the seventh most, seventh, seventh most runs. It's a pretty good argument that he's pound for pound the best player that the blast ever produced. Yeah, and the shame he couldn't go out with one more title, I guess, in a way. But, but, but I'm sure there's more cricket in him. 
Shall we talk about England? Because they did announce their squad for the yeah. Ireland series. Zach Crawley, captain, told you, Harmy. What did I tell you? <laughs> I can't last believe show, Last show of our Ashes Inquest, and I said, Zach Crawley, FEC. Now, that must have been the 31st of July. It's now the 7th of September. Yeah. This news broke on the 5th. So I was took 36 days for me to be proved right. Well, uh, it, it, is, it is worth saying, though, Mike, he wasn't the, obviously only Pope was the vice-captain test team, but there was always talk about Don't bother. No way. <laughs> no, no, buddy. I, I've plucked that out, mate. I'm, I can see the future. I'm a visionary. Oh, no, sorry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying. I wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to take that. <laughs> Look take at that Harvey's reaction. I wouldn't want to take that away from you. But, <laughs> but, but, what, what I mean is I don't think it's quite – it's obviously left field, but I can sort of see where it's come from. And Me too, mate. Get, that's why I, That's why I tipped it. You get a bit further back and actually to a point where Zap, where, where Crawley's <laughs> test credentials were really being questioned. They were that was often caveated with not by me, well, mate. Well, he's got a great game for fifty over cricket. You know, as a as a as, a, as an opening batter who hits the ball straight, who who hits gaps, who hits the ball in the up, who hits who hits length balls, and crucially, he's very good when the ball's not swinging. And if you go back to that Pakistan, the T Twenty emergency series, he was he was excellent in that, and was probably a bit more left field then than he's been now. I mean, I think in a different era, he'd probably played a fair bit of ODI cricket by now. I mean. I wish the squad was a bit more fun. It's it's fun and it's good. There are some you know there's some guys that I'm really pleased to see getting opportunity. But I don't know. It sort of feels like Sam Hain apart. Jamie Smith, I guess, well, George Grimshaw. Oh, maybe being harsh. There are three or four names I'm really pleased to see in there. I, I feel like there was maybe a bit a bit space for a couple of other names. I'm not even sure who they are. I guess point being, there are lots of very good white ball cricks in the country. We you know that's not a secret. We knew that. Uh, this will tell us that. Sam Haynes certainly would have had a fair few caps by now in a different era. Jamie Smith was always going to play for England pretty soon. I guess this has sort of made sense mm. as the series for quite a while. Come on, Harmy. What do you reckon about Zach Crawley captaining? I, I struggled with I couldn't stop laughing. I love Zach. I, you know how I feel about Zach Crawley. I think the world of him, mate. He's a fantastic player and a great lad. But I did not see the England captaincy coming at all. I'm looking at this and I'm going, if England had picked a professional 35-man squad for the World Cup, Zach Crawley wouldn't be in it. He's now captain. So I, I, I'm really and, – and I've got no problem with it. I just – I look down the order. Well, you have Ben Duckett, Phil Salt, Harry Brook, Sam Hint. And I see a lot in this squad. I see a lot of players wanting to bat in the same spot. So you're looking at Crawley, Duck, Duckett, Salt, probably want to bat at one and two. You've got Brook, Hint, Jax wanting to bat at four where they all fit in. Yeah, there's good players, don't get me wrong. It's I also look at this squad, Nick, and go, I'm not saying we're disrespectful and everything with a go with the game, but we have got the end of the summer, we are before the World Cup, we're going, we've picked a, an itinerary to lead into a World Cup and we leave before the, the Island Series. So there's an argument there. Are we being a little bit disrespectful? Possibly. I know we want to look after ourselves and who cares about anything else. We're going to try and win the World Cup, the itinerary of that. And do we want to be playing somebody who's not going to be in the World Cup? That standard in England, freezing cold, possibly end of September. But, you know, I think it is a good squad. I think it's a, I want to see, as long as I see Scrimshaw, as long as we see him, you know, as long as we see these players who we've picked from, who you said one or two others could have been picked. As long as we see them, I don't see the point of picking them if you're not going to see them. You know, we've had a look at, we know what Craig Overton can do. If somebody got injured in the World Cup, I've got no problem Craig Overton coming in because I know what he can do. Is Scrimshaw and Potts going to play? Because we haven't seen them a great deal in white ball cricket. 
seen Potts in a game at Durham when it was 40 odd degrees and he walked off after three overs because he was he got heat stroke. He was knackered. You know, we want as long as we're going to see these guys, Sam here and another one, you know, where, where are they all going to fit in? But the Zach one, yeah, I was very, very surprised to see Zach Crawley um, as, as captain, but uh, possibly it does make sense because of the other characters in there. Is there a captaincy material in there? You couldn't give it to Sam Hien, who's Captain Warwickshire before, because obviously you just want him to come in and, and enjoy his chance to play for England and perform the best he possibly can do. Phil Salt's been around for a bit in this England setup, but obviously so is Zach Crawley, but not in the one day in the one day group. But if we picked the provisional thirty five man squad for a World Cup and had to whittle it down to fifteen, I'm not sure Zach would have been would have been in that in that group, and he's now captain, which is was a little bit of a surprise. And the other thing to say, with the, actually with the county, with the county hat on, is that DCB have said that that squad is picked partly with an eye on the, the championship running. So well, I'm sure there are a couple. Well, the, the, well, the issue, I mean, can every, we have Jamie Smith and Will Jacks back then, please? I, well, I think everyone. Well, I mean, I think everyone accepts that. Well, I think it's a real chance. Title race is done by then. Is I think everyone I accepts so. this, this series is not ideally timed. Bear in mind that we only found out the World Cup schedule a couple of months ago. And, you know, I were part of World Cup qualifier, you know, this summer as well, before, you know, well after this, this series was planned. So actually there's a, in a different world, there are two full strength sides here playing against each other before they go off to India for a World Cup. It doesn't help that, that the World Cup, you know, that, that the World Cup schedule was released and then changed. And obviously with Ireland missing out, but, but equally, you know, it's worth remembering that Ireland came here, when was it? The same as the COVID's emergency summer as well, wasn't it? And Ireland came here and chased 330, didn't they? Was it? I can't remember where, but that was probably the GS Bowl. It'll be a really interesting series. I'd i agree with Harmy though. Having picked particularly Sam Hain, pick him. It's no no one gains from having Sam Hain, particularly Jamie Smith in this squad if you know if they're not gonna play. Um certainly not, sorry. But it's a but it's a thirteen, so you'd assume that thirteen over three three games, you know, everyone will play. And you'd also assume that squad will probably change a bit before. Then what's um, the point of having a games? To fifty we're overall doing, we're doing Ireland a favour, aren't we? Helping no, grow the game. It's a, it's a home series against Ireland. I, I, that was, uh, you know, New, the New Zealand give the New Zealand games are clearly the ones where they're taking the same squad as the World Cup squads. I don't have a massive issue with it. You know, people talk about broadening the talent pool all the time, don't they? I mean, as you say, I mean, as long as you know, as long as as long as they get a good look at Will Jacks, Will Jacks, Jamie Smith, you know, get a chance to pick some guys in areas where they won't, don't normally get picked because because you've got the the established group. I mean, I was I've been watching. I, I was at Derby last night for England v England women v Sri Lanka, and you know the exact same debate comes out of that with. You rest a couple of players, you lose the games. What you know? What's the value in the exercise? John Lewis would say, and did say last night that no Sophie Eccleston means that you bowl your spinners in areas where they wouldn't normally bowl. You see how they're there. You know, you take that sort of brunt out. How does the team cope? Like there is absolutely value to it. Sure, it looks a bit funny because the World Cup starting two weeks later, but I do think that might have been slightly unavoidable in this case. Uh, when we look at that thirteen-man squad that's been picked for the Ireland series, we know Crawley and Ahmed and Brooke and Cast, Duckett and Hayne and Jacks. Craig Overton, of course, Matthew Potts. We're familiar with all these names. Phil Salt, Jamie Smith, Luke Wood, Nick Friends. Tell us a little bit about Derbyshire's George Scrimshaw. Well, he's not really Derbyshire's anymore, is he? He's he's Derbyshire's, but Johnny Northants, having started at Worcestershire. I actually played against him when we were 12 in the ECB Under-13 National Championships Finals Week. I told him this last year. He was, he was probably quite surprised that I knew that 16 years on. And I only remember this because we won. He is... Um, do you know what? It's a really good story because he was released by Worcester as much as anything because he just couldn't get on the park and really struggled with injuries. And I think his first year at Derby, his first year at Derby, he massively exceeded his own 
sort of desires, really. I think he wanted to do a season where he was on the par, basically. But he had a bloody good year, ends up the 100 deal at Welshfire, Boulder went really well on the blast. Bowled a really good pace. I think, I'm, yeah, he played for the Lions last year in that 50-over warm-up against South Africa. So he's on the radar as anyone is, as, he's been on the radar as anyone who is 6'4", 6'5", and bowls quick, he's on the radar. I think it's really nice to see someone who's played for three of the, let's call them less fashionable counties, or well, so who's played for two, is about to play for three, Worcester, Derby, North Ants, you know, in an England squad. I think he's got a lot to thank Derbyshire for because I think one of the reasons he went there was a bit of pace of the pitches and also the backing that came from Mickey Arthur. And he's done really well. I'd say he went, really, he went quite well at Welsh Fire last year as well. It's a nice story because he's, he's someone who I don't think was that far from not thinking he had a future in the game just because of his injuries. And who knows if he'd be in the squad if all the fastballs were fit. But, you know, we've seen with Josh Tung already this summer sort of how quickly things can change if, if you get that chance and take that chance. Gus Atkinson likewise. And it's all part of England building this bigger pool of, of tall, fast bowlers. And in all three of those, Tung, Atkinson, Scribshaw, they are all absolutely tall and fast. Good stuff. I knew you were the person to ask. Uh, Harmy, you can add if you want. Otherwise... No, I've seen him a few times on the stream. I've watched him, obviously, on the, when he was on the TV in the, in the 100. And he's got a bit of pace. He seems to be a nice lad. He seems to be too nice. The two, two or three times I've seen him on the stream bowling at tail enders. I've been shouting at the screen going, just bowl him a bouncer, hit him, try and hit him on the head. You'll move, trust me. If you if you get it on over his head or around about his sort of his left ear, I guarantee the stumps will look a lot, you know, look a lot more accessible when uh, when you want to pitch it up. But I I just want to see him play. I want to see him play. I don't see the point of picking him in a 13-man squad and not playing him. He's got to play him one or two of the games. Pots, we need to see Pots play. I think Cars is probably going to be first reserve if something happens in the in the World Cup. So I think it's probably important that he continues playing and gets used to playing 50 over cricket uh, just in case he has to go to India as a reserve because the likes of Potts, Scrimshaw, Luke Wood, probably cut and Cars. Me and Manners were talking about this on the, on the collective during the week. 15-man squad's not enough, nowhere near enough to play nine games around India the way they're going. And if you look at the England squad that they're going with, they're going with Mark Wood and they're going with Reese Topley. You know, if they have to play multiple games in a row, they might not get to the end. So you know, you've got to make sure these guys have a game and play and expose themselves to 50 over cricket, even against, you know, I don't just disrespect to Ireland. So I want to see Scrimshaw play. I want to see Potts play. I want to see Cars play because there's every chance. But if England make it to the latter part of this World Cup, that the 15 to go with, probably 12 of them, 13 of them will only be still standing, especially the bowlers getting on and off planes, practice days and the hardship of they, these wickets. 15-man squad's not enough. So whoever's in this squad, we need to see them if they've got any outside chance of being reserves for that for that trip to India. And Scrimshaw definitely has because in India, you, know, you need that extra injection of pace. You need something which is tall um, and hitting the deck and... Um, if there's anything in the surface, you know, when the surface is slow and it's not as true, big, tall, fast bowlers are, are a little bit more to line up, a little harder to line up and hit. And Scrimshaw comes into that category. So, you know, fingers crossed he gets a game against Ireland and puts his hat in the ring if, if anything happens in India from an injury point of view. The other thing on Scrimshaw is he's hardly playing cricket. So he's, he's played eight first class games in his career, four 50 over games, and 48 T20s over six years. So he's like, he's 25, but he's. Young was a, a fastball in the same way that Gus Atkinson is actually. Uh, let's move on 
Yorkshire. <laughs> There's stories this week that uh, Mike Ashley might take over the club. And then today, uh, the Rajasthan Royals are going to invest. If they do, they will have, that will, of course, be a seismic change to English cricket with a, a foreign body owning and running a county championship club. I mean, I can't say George isn't with us this week, sadly, but he'll have more on this story for us next week. We don't have a, a great deal of insider info, but of course, as a Newcastle fan and also someone that uh, sits in the posh seats at St. James's Park, you, you have a, a relationship of sorts with Mike Ashley. Certainly, uh, it, it nods in your direction, I'm sure, if you saw him. But Mike Ashley at the Yorkshire, your thoughts, Harvey? Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where this movement goes. They're trying everything to make sure Colin Groves doesn't get back into to Yorkshire, and you know that that is, I think, clearly apparent. I think the one, the, the Rajasthan one, I think makes more sense than Mike because of the cricket and education that Rajasthan have had, and they know how building would add to their portfolio of cricket organisations around the world. And could that be? And I think it would probably be better for English cricket if if Rajasthan did come in because then opens the doors, possibly to other, you know, rich financial owners to come in and and invest in English cricket. He took on Coventry City in the Rico Arena, um, but he didn't have a great deal. He's not got a great deal to do with Coventry City's football club. So, will Mike come in and take over the actual ground itself and the running of the day to day stuff? Will stay with Yorkshire. Um, that possibly could happen, but hopefully for Yorkshire fans, there's light, life at the end of the tunnel. Light at the end of the tunnel um, is what's been some sort of pretty dark times in trying to uh, to have some positive outcomes of of what's been happening over the last four or five years, and making sure that the club is still in a position to produce fantastic young players. Because I've seen again during the week some brilliant young cricketers. Yorkshire have got their fair share, loads in the north. Um, and that's like Lancashire and, and, and Yorkshire included. And they've got to be somewhere, have somewhere to fulfil their talents. And if, if Yorkshire went out of business, it would be obviously criminal. So it's good to see that there is investment potentially out there. I'm not sure Mike would change the landscape of Yorkshire County Cricket Club from on the field point of view. But I think if Rajasthan came in, because they're the two parties that are interested, or so-called interested, I think Rajasthan would probably be more suitable for the cricket development of Yorkshire rather than Mike possibly just taking over the club and letting it run as as it is at this moment in time. OK, well, as I say, George will be back next week, so he'll have more on this story. I mean, of course, cricket is missing a massive trick, isn't it? You just need a Ryan Reynolds kind of character, a Netflix series, and then suddenly all 18 county championship sides backed by essentially A-list God, Hollywood no, stars... Mate, no, I, I can't the, see. The, I can't see them letting get the, old, get the old cash out. Bit of exposure for the county game. Suddenly, you could have, you know, Grace Road, a whole stand full of American tourists we over about, for over for the weekend. Well, in the conversation we talked about, Summit, we tried that with a Texan billionaire. Look where he is. Fair play. All right, <laughs> we'll move on. Very, very good at making an absolute mess of something that is quite straightforward and easy. There are people out there who want to invest in English cricket. There are multi-multi-millionaires and companies who will want to invest in English cricket. Look, we're going to talk cricket. We're going to talk about it all the show. We're going to be talking about Surrey. We're going to talk about Essex. We're going to be talking about Warwick's title challenge, which Nick Friend told us last week was still alive and kicking. <laughs> I think there was a caveat to that, wasn't there? It was quite a significant <laughs> caveat. Uh, we're going to be talking about plenty more. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Following On, County Cricketer. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience Eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to Visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to Following On County Cricketer on TalkSport 2 or via the Following On podcast feed. Uh, If you like us, great, subscribe, listen to, to more of our cricket to output the Cricket Collective between uh, which airs on Monday or Tuesday on the following on feed and is also broadcast on TalkSport 2. Uh, more of a world view uh, of the game that we love, Steve Harmison and Neil Manthorpe. But but for the next uh, 25 minutes or so, myself, John Norman, Harmy and Nick Friend are going to be looking back at the four-day stuff. Um, look, we were, we were talking last week. There were some suggestions there were still four sides in the hunt for the championship title. I think we can now agree there's two. Hampshire, though... Play both of them. Hampshire in third. They pulled off a big win over Somerset. Real one-sided stuff. In fact, the top three all won. Uh, Warwickshire, of course, came unstuck big time against Surrey. But it wasn't the Warwickshire side that we saw at the start of the, of the campaign, missing a lot of players. And uh, when it came to the pressure, 
Uh, they buckled slightly. Essex, I thought, you know, starting their game one day after Surrey played against Warwickshire, I imagine that's because of the Sri Lanka uh, T20 that took place at Chelmsford. That put them on the back foot a little bit because they would have seen after day one that Surrey were well on top against Warwickshire, but it did not matter one jot. Although they'll be disappointed not to pick up a couple more batting points, I imagine, Nick Friend. But, um, yeah, I mean, you were across all the action. How did you assess how it went at the top of the table um, in regard to uh, the, the championship, Division 1? Well, first, I think you're right, you're right about Warwickshire. They they were battered in two and a bit days, weren't they? But this season overall, given where they were last this time last year, when they relied on Liam Norwell's nine from the last day to keep them up, I think they'd look back at it overall as a pretty successful... Pretty successful some, but but effectively, as you say, they've run out of they've run out of rope. I mean, they start the season with Chris Wokes and Hassan Ali in a bowling attack. They were missing Rob Yates to illness, Alex Davis to back spasm. Jacob Bethel's season's over with they're going to look after his stress fracture. Liam Norwell's season's over. Liam Norwell hasn't played at all since since the ninth of last year. They've brought in Billy Godleman to for reinforcements, basically. I mean, so they're not where they were three or four months ago. I think they've had a pretty good run at it. It's a shame they, they built up a lot of momentum in August with the with the one day cup and that has rather dissipated in in a semi final battering and and what happened at what happened at the oval. Thought Surrey was just very good. Kimar wrote, you know, there are lots of ways of doing it at the end of the season, aren't they? You can do the the Essex way and or you could like, you could do it with spin or you could do it with seam, basically. And Surrey bring back Kimar Roach was between him, Dan Worrell, um Jordan Clark, just a very, very good trio of seamers, Tom Laws chipped in as well. Ben Folk's got big hundreds. And actually, Ben Folk's got hundreds at a ground where there haven't been many hundreds this year. There's a lot of talk about, I think we always, I don't know, we assume there are a lot of runs at the Oval every year. I think I'm right in saying that was the, I'm thinking I'm right in saying no one's made 400 in the Championship this year. At the Oval, there have been four centuries in all, I think. And yeah, one of them was that Folk's 100 on the first day that really set Surrey up for for what happened over the, over the next day in a bit, where they, where four wickets fell on the first day and 23 fell on the second day and, what the last three fell in the first 20 minutes of the, of the third. So some were excellent. And the biggest problem for anyone trying to reel them in is that you're running out of time to do it. Um, particularly with that, with Surrey and Essex not facing each other again before the end of the season. And Essex were, the Essex one was interesting, wasn't it? You'd look at the scoreboard on, on day one, so, you know, 300 for nine, say, honestly, even or Middlesex are the better of it or whatever. But you know, I mean, there's no disrespect to Josh DeCares. He, he was an opening batter who very rarely bowled before, before this season. But, I mean, Josh Tekez taken eight for on, or seven for on the first day, took the eight for on the second day. I think if you were Middlesex and you looked at your young, sort of fledgling off-spinning all-rounder, taking seven for against Essex on day one of a championship game, I think you would worry about what Simon Harmon might do as the game will run. And as much as it was Jamie Porter, who's got a brilliant record against Middlesex, who took his second six for a season against them, I think, on, on day two. And Sam Cook's brilliant. Numa Shadow's a very good signing for you know, on slightly uneven, dry, tired pitch the season goes on. As good as they are, having Harmer for that third innings of the game, or fourth innings rather as it was, is is massive. And if you look at some of the wickets took at the balls he bowled, he's just driving the ball into these big bits of rough and I don't know how you play it. I hear you were dug out on the wisdom there, the wisdom. <laughs> as I say, under, unfairly in my view. Did I, you or um, did you not say that uh, he'd never ever get another seven no, foot no, again? I didn't, I didn't and then say, he ended I didn't up say quite that. rocking out an eight foot. I, no, I didn't say quite. I, I think the point I was making on the day... Well, he didn't get a seventh. Huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I wasn't wrong, was I? Yeah, um, so technically you were right. The, the point I was making, I think, was, was actually on the day that Middlesex were were rolled by Hampshire at the Aegeus during the Cookabar rounds. And the Cookabar rounds were 
interesting because teams had to go, had to, we've talked about this before on here, had to go and find different ways of taking their 20 wickets. And Hampshire's way, I think Liam Dawson cleaned up in that game as well, was to prepare a pitch that took a bit of spin and, and to care six, seven there. And my point was was really more about the cookbar and the pitch than than, than Josh DeCares. And, you know, reading Ryan Higgins' quotes from, from earlier in this game, he says that DeCares' progress as an offspin this year has been remarkable. You know, going from very much an opening batter who could bowl a bit of passable offspin to now being picked batter eight and nine as the offspinner, I guess, shows that in itself, even without the eight from the seven from the eight for. But yeah, look, he's, he feel he'll finish the season in all likelihood with the best leagues in the country. Eight for 100, whatever it was. I mean, that's the only eight for in the country so far this season. The great irony, and this is, I don't know if he'd have played if Jayan Yadav's visa had come through because they've signed an off-spinning all-rounder from India for the last four rounds of the season. They paid the extra money to expedite it to make sure his visa was through so they had their Indian off-spinner at Chelmsford to play against Essex. He then got delayed at the British Embassy in Delhi, was sat in Delhi when the game started. The second off-spinner then took an eight for and then Yadav arrived on Wednesday in the country. And I mean, he may, they might, he might have played alongside Decares, but I, I think in all likelihood he'd have played alongside Holman as the leg spinner. But I don't know what you do now, really. You've got an off spinner who's just arrived from India and you've got an off spinner who's taken 20 career wickets, but 15 of them in two get in two innings and eight of them across a 24 hour period last week. So no fair play to me. Like, you know, you want best develop. And this says a lot about a lot of things, I think. But I think there are three England qualified spinners with more wickets this season than Josh DeCares. And then Matt Parkinson, Liam Dawson and Jack Carson. And fair play to DeCares. That's a fantastic get from him. But that is as much an indicator of where the treatment and use of English spinners as, as anything, I, I would suggest. That a guy who's played three or four games as a spinner is in fourth on that list. Got a couple of others, overseas players. Obviously, Harmer, Zafir Goal. But yeah, you know, there are a lot of lanes, not a lanes you'd like to see up there who aren't up there. Willie, will Josh DeCares ever get another seven? <laughs> hundreds, mate, hundreds. <laughs> okay. I, look, I, just said, I think he can bowl. I didn't say that he can obviously bowl. Um, let's have a look but... at the um, the bottom of the table then. Middlesex against Warwickshire. Uh, oh, no, that's the week after, actually. It's Kent versus Nottinghamshire and Lancashire against Middlesex. North Ants are gone. They play yeah. away at Warwickshire. So all three of the bottom sides play. Well, Kent have just signed Chahal, who is, you know, Matt Parkinson had a bit of success at Kent in the, well, a lot of success with Kent in the One Day Cup. And he's obviously going back there as a signing for next year, finished the Rebel season at Durham. But um, Chahal is a quality leggy in September. Mm. And it's going to be beautiful. This is the thing with Chahal. I've seen that. It was an eye-opening signing, which brilliant yeah. signing. For Kent and for English cricket to get you know a superstar like Chahal in the game, but how many overs has Chahal bowled? And I'm talking about more than four overs in recent times. And I, the biggest example I look at, especially from a trying to sort of rip it point of view, is Moen Ali in that first Test match when he he, he sort of busted his fingers because he hadn't bowled for in a first class game for a long long time. How difficult is it going to be for Chahal to to get up not up to speed because that'll be fine, but get his fingers up to speed and his body up to well, speed. My- Especially if the temperatures turn next week or the week after, because we're having a heat wave, yes. But we all know how quickly in this country it can turn. And it's 30-odd degrees at the minute down in Kent. But it could easily be 12 degrees next week, wherever they're playing. And that would be a, a, a little bit more of a challenge as well. Well, he hasn't played a first-class match this year. No, but I, I wonder if it's slightly... I would guess it's slightly different for a wrist spinner to a, to a finger mm. spinner. 
in terms yeah. of where and you still got to get it going. Yeah, the, the no, no, absolutely, to... absolutely. I, it'd, be it'd be interesting. I, either way, it's it's a really tough signing thing because Kent, you know, it's, it's not it's hardly rocket science. But Kent need to win a game or two of their last two to. They're um, at home. Sorry, they're the last at home three for this match out. as well. Also, also to... for me, it tells you how much first division cricket matters to counties. How much county cricket really? How much counties sort of want to make sure they're in the first division? Yeah, you, know, you look at Nick. You'll you'll know more than me, but the amount of signings, the bottom yeah. half men. You know what? You know Somerset signed Wagner, and you know, not some. You know Middlesex. They're, they're signing players. Are the panic signing players to make well, sure that the one day. The yeah. One Day Cup was a great example of it as well. Like, it's actually it's not just the first class cricket thing. It's a how do you paint this season as successful? And if you look at Kent and Middlesex particularly, you would do well to dress up their white ball seasons as successful summers. In fact, you you I mean you could not. <laughs> so, in the same way, the One Day Cup was great was a great chance for sides like Gloucestershire, the ones who stand out and got to the semis and actually did it really well. It was a great chance for tight sides to sort of paper over the cracks of what happened elsewhere and turn the season to a bit of success. So Gloucester brought in Harry Tech to Anwar Ali. You know, Worcester brought in Logan Van Beek, who's actually gone a long way to taking them up in the championship as well. Teams sort of smell around this last month and a half of the season as a real chance to forget what's come before. And if Middlesex can stay up, having been, you know, been a promoted side, that would be a successful summer. We know how members work, and a lot of the time, that's not disparaging at all, but a lot of the members who, not let's say a lot of long-time members who don't necessarily love T20 cricket, appreciate what it does for counties, who don't love it, and their bread and butter is their red ball. If you have a really bad white ball summer, but you stay up in the championship, or you challenge for the championship title, you know, that's a successful summer in a lot of people's books. It, and, 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 and crucially, we don't know what's going to happen beyond next summer, structure-wise. So you really want to be in the top eight, in the, in the top ten, rather, when if and when those changes come, you because we don't know what it looked like, but promotion could suddenly look a lot, a lot further away, you know, in the future than it does now. Uh, and crucially, you, you don't want a relegation on your on your CV as a coach or as a player or as, or as an executive or anything. So it makes a great deal of sense. And the players have signed, said so Middlesex have got Yadav over the line before Chelmsford. That would have looked a very, very clever signing. And likewise, we're in a heat wave. Why not bring over a gun leg spinner? They know it's between those two. I think we'd agree with that. I think Knott's have already got enough points given what they'll pick up over the, over the next three. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Division two of the county championship. We know about Durham. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. But uh, I did mention last week, Leicestershire is still in it. They they did win. But of course, so did Worcestershire, who are the form team, really. But it's all bubbling up quite nicely. Worcestershire, I think, have got Durham this week. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be tricky. Leicestershire have got a tough game as well. So, yeah, we've, we've got a little bit of a contest in Division two, Harmy. For second yeah, place, have. that is. Yeah, for second place, we have um, Durham need five points and they're promoted. So that's the way they're playing, uh, the the way they're bowling, and that, that's bonus points against Worcester this week. And that'll be that'll be them done and sorted. And you look at the Durham side; they, they would have give. I think they would have give Surrey a good run for the money this year at the top end of the first division. They've got bowlers who can take wickets. They remind me of the side that going back to when I played in sort of two thousand six, seven, eight, nine, where you had some very, very good experienced batters who were were comfortable batting on what was a different surface then. And we got quick bowlers that can take wickets. And now we have that with the likes of Potts and Carson. We've had a little bit of, obviously, a little bit of Parkinson, who, another one, he's not a quick bowler, but he's somebody who does, a leg spinner always makes a difference in text wickets. And then 
You know, you can you throw in Ben Rain, who again took fifty wickets again this year, which is another you know tick in the box for for somebody who was homegrown, had to leave, and this is a lot of uh, good young Durham players of you know throughout the years have had to leave to come back um, because at the time when they were when they were young trying to get in the team, their place was was stopped because the, the side was successful, and I think Durham have got that to come again because Durham's 16, 17, 18s. There's some talented young boys there, so the 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 team and the, the the place itself is bouncing, and I can see them being at the top end of the first division next year if this group stays together. Lee's international dream is still alive in his eyes, and while he's while he's got that because he's re- sort of reinvented himself, batting unbelievably well at the top of the order, as well as scoring quickly. That's to say, well, England, I've changed my game. I'm not the blocker I was in the West Indies. I can play proper like cricket shots and aggressively. And if something happens, I want to be picked. And while that's still there, I think Lee's at, Lee's at the top of the order for Durham will be a handful next year if he's still got that dream dream alive. And, you know, the middle order is is very strong. Both we've got runs again. You know, Beddingham is a, a quality, quality player. And I think the icing on the cake now is we've got that all-rounder at Durham, which can bat at number seven, number eight, and score hundreds. And Baz Delader... 100 and, 103 first first class 100 and he uh, he got wickets as well in the match so Durham are in a great I think in a great place going into that first division but the second place I still think it's worse just to lose because of the amount of games they've won so far and drawn so far this year um but if if the um if they lose to Durham this week and Leicester win then it is it is really really game on and I hope more than anything else yeah I really hope more than anything else that Worcester do go up because of the, the stuff that's gone on there this year with the players leaving in the middle of the season. My old mate, Jarlow, he's going to build a, a proper stable ship. Knowing Ash as I do, that'll hurt him. So to get him into the first division next year, I really hope that happens. And Durham, okay. of course, Durham do only need five points if Leicester take maximum points from Durham's week off, basically. So, so there's a real chance that Durham don't go up next week without playing. Uh, we've got some questions, guys. We're running out of time. Um, Adam says, uh, this is at Croc Peace, says, is George Balderson going to be a good county cricketer or does he have a higher ceiling than that? Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts? Well, you can say he probably has already ticked off the first of those two, isn't he? Is it, yeah. I think, I think the question is... Old rounder with, yeah. Uh, no, 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 sorry. I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm giving myself, I'm biding myself some time. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's part of the England 19s, wasn't he? So I think for, he's been on the radar from quite early on. And I think those radars, they are designed to spot guys who could be really good. And I, and you'd say that a 22-year-old with, what's he got, 50-plus you know, 50 first-class wickets, a couple of first-class hundreds already, averaging mid-30s with, I think, with Bamble. Like, he's and also almost, I think, entirely in Div 1, too. And so I think he's already a very good counter cricketer. And I think he, I think you give yourself a punch as chances and around at any point. I and mean, he's... You know, you look at what he's done and the vague skill set he's got. There's, it's sort of quite Chris Chris Wokes, isn't it? He's not, he's not necessarily going to take a game away from you, but he's a very handy seamer and a and a very capable sort of middle order batter. He's also batted up the order for for lengths. So probably got a higher ceiling. You wouldn't say that he's got a Harry Brook who's going to, do you know what I mean? In terms of like the kind of skill set that's going to fast track yourself into a side. But you know, it wouldn't surprise you. As, as I say, he's done, he's, done, he's done it all in Div One. He's done it all at a very big county. You've got resource and and you know and he's playing ahead of quality players so 
yeah, you know, I don't want to tip someone for stardom, but you also right. don't. Nick, also, yeah, I also Nick, don't want to say he's rub. He's, you've he's said, you've, you've but, said I enough. Think, I think I'm what he's going to do is just go in. I think what he's going to do is, is you've seen a lot of cricket, Nick, especially from an all rounder. An all rounder will go and grab the headlines in one facet, and the other one will back it up, which would be Flintoff was Flintoff was a at the start was probably a batter who could bowl. But you knew there was bowling, bowling in him. You know, Wokes is a bowler who can bat. You know, yeah. Stokes. He's a yeah, he's an all rounder, great quality. But he's batting is the one. So if Bolton goes and gets sort of five first class hundreds in a season and picks yeah. up thirty wickets, his bowling's going to be a handy tool to back his batting up. I would say what he needs to do is go and grasp one discipline, excel at it, and have a and have a gun yet at excelling at it, and then all of a sudden. He might get talked about at the next level, but from a good good county cricketer, yeah, he's already there. Uh, we've got one last question to squeeze in. We did have questions from Andy Barton. Great to see the county championship back. I've been watching since the early 80s, but it seems basically ignored during August. Am I now just an old codger? Should there be a better balance? Well, and Brian Lowe says, the one positive of the 100 is the development of young players in the 50 over comps and great performances. Uh, the future looks bright for English cricket in that regard. Brian and Andy, thanks for your, those points. And they were two points that we really did cover in, in quite some detail uh, in last week's show. So feel free to go and check that out in the following on podcast feed. But uh, the last question is a bit of a gloomy one. I don't like to end the show on a gloomy one. Stephen Mann says, is it time for Mickey Arthur to go? Seems more interested in Pakistan than Derbyshire. I mean, we worked with Mickey, didn't we, during this, uh, was it last summer? The South Africa series that we covered on TalkSport yeah. 2. There's no bigger cricket badger in the world, apart from Nick Friend, than, than Mickey Arthur. <laughs> yeah, he's got I, to stay, doesn't he? He's got yeah, to. He's got to. It's, it's hard because we don't follow Derbyshire as close as we, as, as every, you know, as I follow Durham, or probably Nick follows Middlesex, keeps that one close eye on, on your club. But Mickey, if you sack Mickey Arthur, who are you going to get? If you take Mickey Arthur out of Derbyshire County Cricket Club, I would say the next appointment would be a backward step, a downward step. He might have more time for you. He might have more energy for you. He might have more enthusiasm because obviously Mickey's no got way more enthusiasm. But, no, I, I'm, but I'm only, I'm only saying that because you've got more time. But for the quality of a person, the quality of a coach, and the quality of all-round cricket knowledge, yeah, you'd not get a better man than Mickey Arthur. You really wouldn't. And I think he he needs to. He might need to work a bit more, sort of. You know, how his time is more utilised when it comes to Pakistan and Derby. That might have been a hard one because I think it was at the start of this season, John. It was the start of this season when he got the, the Pakistan role. So maybe it's a winter where he does make sure that the balance of power between his time at Pakistan and Derby is uh, is better while he's got a bit of time off. Might then benefit Derby next year. But to sack somewhere like Mickey Arthur, I think that would be a head, head's gone moment in, in first-class cricket because when Mickey came into first-class cricket, that was a huge coup for Derbyshire County Cricket Club. It really was because I was jealous because he's a, not only is he a great man, he's an unbelievable coach and his knowledge of the game is fantastic. Hopefully, okay. he'll give it next year as well. Brilliant. We ended on a positive. Nick, where are you going to be over the next seven days? All over the place. Um, I'm at the Gears on Sunday. Then I'm at Northampton for Women's ODI in Sri Lanka, Leicester for Women's ODI in Sri Lanka, Trent Bridge for the One Day Cup next Saturday. Living a dream. Um, and I suspect I'll be at a Champa game on those days in between. 
It's fine. I can see your paint expression. Dream. <laughs> yeah. Harmy, what are your movements over the next seven I'm days? The, I'm at the Oval this week. I'm coming down next for Wednesday. The, I've got, and then I'm planning Goffey's Golf Day, I think, the, the following day. Or, I'll tell you where I was last week. I watched Durham on EPP against Northumberland EPP. And there's some fantastic young cricketers out and about there now. I really are. I fear, I fear a little bit for Durham because they've got so many good young players trying to get into their second team to get into their first team. If there's chief, oh, if there's boards out there looking, there's well, some keep, keep quiet talent. then, mate. <laughs> Harmy, thank you for your time, matey. I'll see you at the Oval on Wednesday. Nick, thank you for your time. I'll see you um, back here at some point next week. And uh, thank you very much for listening. I should also say, if you want your full full uh, whack of, of cricketer writing on podcasts and uh, just all sorts of news features £3.99 a month for online access or £29.99 for a year bargain but thanks for listening on the following on feed or via TalkSport 2 this has been following on County Cricketer The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism and this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.